Section 32 of Christian Science by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Mrs. Eddy in Error I feel almost sure that Mrs. Eddy's inspiration works are getting out of repair. I think so, because they made some errors in a statement which she uttered through the press on the 17th of January. Not large ones, perhaps. Still it is a friend's duty to straighten such things out and get them right when he can. Therefore I will put my other duties aside for a moment and undertake this helpful service. She said as follows. In view of the circulation of certain criticisms from the pen of Mark Twain, I submit the following statement. It is a fact well understood that I beg the students who first gave me the endearing appellative mother not to name me thus. But without my consent that word spread like wildfire. I still must think the name is not applicable to me. I stand in relation to this century as a Christian discoverer, founder, and leader. I regard self-deification as blasphemous. I may be more loved, but I am less lauded, pampered, provided for, and cheered than others before me, and wherefore? Because Christian science is not yet popular, and I refuse adulation. My visit to the Mother Church after it was built and dedicated pleased me, and the situation was satisfactory. The dear members wanted to greet me with escort and the ringing of bells, but I declined and went alone in my carriage to the church, entered it, and knelt in thanks upon the steps of its altar. There the splendor of the beginnings of truth fell mysteriously upon my spirit. I believe in one Christ, teach one Christ, know of but one Christ. I believe in but one incarnation, one Mother Mary, and know I am not that one, and never claim to be. It suffices me to learn the science of the scriptures relative to this subject. Christian scientists have no quarrel with Protestants, Catholics, or any other sect. They need to be understood as following the divine principle, God-love, and not imagined to be unscientific worshippers of a human being. In the aforesaid article, of which I have seen only extracts, Mark Twain's wit was not wasted in certain directions. Christian science eschews divine rights in human beings. If the individual governed human consciousness, my statement of Christian science would be disproved, but to understand the spiritual idea is essential to demonstrate science and its pure monotheism, one God, one Christ, no idolatry, no human propaganda. Jesus taught and proved that what feeds a few feeds all. His life-work subordinated the material to the spiritual, and he left this legacy of truth to mankind. His metaphysics is not the sport of philosophy, religion, or science. Rather it is the pith and finale of them all. I have not the inspiration or aspiration to be a first or second virgin mother, her duplicate, antecedent, or subsequent. What I am remains to be proved by the good I do. We need much humility, 
wisdom, and love to perform the functions of foreshadowing and foretasting heaven within us. This glory is molten in the furnace of affliction. She still thinks the name of our mother not applicable to her, and she is also able to remember that it distressed her when it was conferred upon her, and that she begged to have it suppressed. Her memory is at fault here. If she will take her by-laws and refer to section one of article twenty-two, written with her own hand, she will find that she has reserved that title to herself, and is so pleased with it, and so may we say jealous about it that she threatens with excommunication any sister scientist who shall call herself by it this is that section one the title of mother in the year eighteen ninety five loyal christian scientists had given to the author of their textbook the founder of christian science the individual endearing term of mother therefore if a student of christian science shall apply this title either to herself or to others except as the term for kinship according to the flesh it shall be regarded by the church as an indication of disrespect for their pastor emeritus and unfitness to be a member of the mother church mrs eddy is herself the mother church its powers and authorities are in her possession solely and she can abolish that title whenever it may please her to do so she has only to command her people wherever they may be in the earth to use it no more and it will never be uttered again she is aware of this it may be that she refuses adulation when she is not awake but when she is awake she encourages it and propagates it in that museum called our mother's room in her church in boston she could abolish that institution with a word if she wanted to she is aware of that i will say further word about the museum presently further down the column her memory is unfaithful again i believe in but one mother mary and know i am not that one and never claim to be at a session of the national christian science association held in the city of new york on the twenty seventh of may eighteen ninety the secretary was instructed to send to our mother greetings and words of affection from her assembled children note page twenty four official report her telegraphic response was read to the association at next day's meeting all hail he hath filled the hungry with good things and the sick hath he not sent empty away mother mary note page twenty four official report which mother mary is this one are there two if so she is both of them for when she signed this telegram in this satisfied and unprotesting way the mother title which she was going to so strenuously object to and put from her with humility and seize with both hands and reserve as her sole property and protect her monopoly of it with a stern by-law while recognizing with diffidence that it was not applicable to her then and to-day that mother title was not yet born and would not be offered to her until five years later the date of the above mother mary is eighteen ninety the individual endearing title of mother 
was given her in 1895, according to her own testimony. See her by-law quoted above. In his opening address to that convention of 1890, the President recognized this Mary, our Mary, and abolished all previous ones. He said, There is but one Moses, one Jesus, and there is but one Mary. Note, page 13, official report. The confusions being now dispersed, we have this clarified result. There had been a Moses at one time, and only one. There had been a Jesus at one time, and only one. There is a Mary, and only one. She is not a has-been. She is an is, the author of science and health, and we cannot ignore her. Note, Ibid. 1. In 1890 there was but one Mother Mary, the President said so. 2. Mrs. Eddy was that one. She said so in signing the telegraph. 3. Mrs. Eddy was not that one, for she says so in her Associated Press utterance of January 17th. 4. And has never claimed to be that one unless the signature to the telegram is a claim. Thus it stands proven and established that she is that Mary, and isn't, and thought she was, and knows she wasn't. That much is clear. She is also the mother, by the election of 1895, and did not want the title, and thinks it is not applicable to her, and will excommunicate anyone that tries to take it away from her. So that is clear. I think that the only really troublesome confusion connected with these particular matters has arisen from the name Mary. Much vexation, much misunderstanding could have been avoided if Mrs. Eddy had used some of her other names in place of that one. Mother Mary was certain to stir up discussion. It would have been much better if she had signed the telegram Mother Baker then there would have been no biblical competition, and, of course, that is a thing to avoid. But it is not too late yet. I wish to break in here with a parenthesis, and then take up this examination of Mrs. Eddy's claim. Note, claim. In Christian science terminology, claims are errors of mortal mind, fictions of the imagination. Mrs. Eddy's claim of January 17th again. The history of her Mother Mary telegram, as told to me by one who ought to be a very good authority, is curious and interesting. The telegram ostensibly quotes verse 53 from the Magnificat, but really makes some pretty formidable changes in it. This is St. Luke's version. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. This is Mother Mary's telegraphed version. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the sick hath he not sent empty away. Note, page 24, official report. To judge by the official report, the bursting of this bombshell in that massed convention of trained Christians created no astonishment, since it caused no remark, and the business of the convention went tranquilly on thereafter as if nothing had happened. 
Did those people detect those changes? We cannot know. I think they must have noticed them, the wording of St. Luke's verse being as familiar to all Christians as is the wording of the Beatitudes, and I think that the reason the new version provoked no surprise and no comment was that the assemblage took it for a key, a spiritualized explanation of verse 53, newly sent down from heaven through Mrs. Eddy. For all scientists study their Bibles diligently, and they know their Magnificat. I believe that their confidence in the authenticity of Mrs. Eddy's inspirations is so limitless and so firmly established that no change, however violent, which she might make in a Bible text could disturb their composure or provoke from them a protest. Her improved rendition of verse 53 went into the convention's report and appeared in a New York paper the next day. The, at that time, scientist, whom I mentioned a minute ago, and who had not been present at the convention, saw it and marveled. Marveled and was indignant. Indignant with the printer or the telegrapher, for making so careless and so dreadful an error, and greatly distressed, too, for, of course, the newspaper people would fall foul of it, and be sarcastic, and make fun of it, and have a blithe time over it, and be properly thankful for the chance. It shows how innocent he was. It shows that he did not know the limitations of newspaper men in the matter of biblical knowledge. The new verse 53 raised no insurrection in the press. In fact, it was not even remarked upon. I could have told him the boys would not know there was anything the matter with it. I have been a newspaper man myself, and in those days I had my limitations like the others. The scientist hastened to Concord and told Mrs. Eddy what a disastrous mistake had been made, but he found to his bewilderment that she was tranquil about it and was not proposing to correct it. He was not able to get her to promise to make a correction. He asked her secretary if he had heard aright when the telegram was dictated to him. The secretary said he had, and took the filed copy of it and verified its authenticity by comparing it with the stenographic notes. Mrs. Eddy did make the correction, two months later, in her official organ, it attracted no attention among the scientists, and, naturally, none elsewhere, for that periodical circulation was practically confined to disciples of the cult. That is the tale as it was told to me by an ex-scientist. Verse 53, renovated and spiritualized, had a narrow escape from a tremendous celebrity. The newspaper men would have made it as famous as the assassination of Caesar, but for their limitations. To return to the claim, I find myself greatly embarrassed by Mrs. Eddy's remark, I regard self-deification as blasphemous. If she is right about that, I have written a half-ream of manuscript this past week which I must not print, either in the book which I am writing or elsewhere for it goes into that very matter with extensive elaboration, citing, in detail, words and acts of Mrs. Eddy's, which seem to me to prove that she is a faithful and untiring worshipper of herself, and has carried self-deification to a length which has not been before ventured in ages, if ever. 
there is not room enough in this chapter for that survey but i can epitomize a portion of it here with her own untaught and untrained mind and without outside help she has erected upon a firm and lasting foundation the most minutely perfect and wonderful and smoothly and exactly working and best safeguarded system of government that has yet been devised in the world as i believe and as i am sure i could prove if i had room for my documentary evidences here it is a despotism on this democratic soil a sovereignty more absolute than the roman papacy more absolute than the russian czarship it has not a single power not a shred of authority legislative or executive which is not lodged solely in the sovereign all its dreams its functions its energies have a single object a single reason for existing and only the one to build to the sky the glory of the sovereign and keep it bright to the end of time mrs eddy is the sovereign she devised that great place for herself she occupies that throne in eighteen ninety five she wrote a little primer a little body of autocratic laws called the manual of the first church of christ scientist and put those laws in force in permanence her government is all there all in that deceptively innocent-looking little book that cunning little devilish book that slumbering little brown volcano with hell in its bowels in that book she has planned out her system and classified and defined its purposes and powers end of section thirty two mrs eddy in error